What follows is a teaser for season one of Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama from the mind of Ray Stacanus. Reclaim Detroit will debut in July 2022 wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to at Vampire Detroit on Twitter. And now... There's some weirdo Satanist out there or something that you might have heard of? I mean, there are, but this doesn't sound like one of them. This is Detroit, 1996. For a long time, the savage Sabbath vampires held claim to this area. That is, until four years ago when McMasters and his Camarilla group infiltrated the city and then kicked their asses out. I still can't believe your clan lets you call yourself Tory. There are no rules for us anymore. We are who we want to be. Right now, I want to be Tori. It's a little audacious, though, isn't it? Hey, audacious is my middle name. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? Why am I in the back alley of this gin joint? It turns out that the best way to gain knowledge is to invite the city to your secret club and film them the entire time that they're there. Who knew? <laughs> I work for you Camarilla folks, too. But you also work for them. It's an underground gothic club for kindred. The lady would prefer tiki torches and Christmas lights? Some loudmouth drunks thought it would be fun to break in my domain and cause trouble tonight. They were wrong. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me on the podcast is podcast royalty, I'll say. Oh, you. Now, I'm going to say it this time. See, I, I usually give him crap, but not today because this is my man. This is my boy, my brother. I love him to death. He does three podcasts. No, shoot. More than three. What am I talking about? Four that I adore. <laughs> My three dads, knowing it's half the podcast, who it win show, and now Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about my boy, Race Decatus. How you doing, buddy? I'm back once again, and look at you trying to get into my good graces. That's how I know... <laughs> That my new show is hitting well. It's, it's that good. I have to give you credit. It is that good. Delvin Cox says to me, you don't even know when he was doing his intro, I was making faces at him on camera. Yeah. So this is a true professional that we're talking about <laughs> right here. Um, I, I, as I listen to the to, um, knowing they have the podcast, I know they always throw you off during the intro. So I tried to hold it in as this was happening. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. During Knowing is Half the Podcast, the G.I. Joe recap show, we all know the show doesn't start until I say, hey, everybody. That's the way the show starts. When they hear, hey, everybody, the show starts. So what do they do? They set it up so there's going to be a lull where everybody knows I'm about to just start the show because we're done messing around, you know, talking around each other. And then as soon as I go, 
Robert Clark Chan or sometimes TV's Gina Ippolito will just start talking randomly because they know I'm about to start the show. And many times we leave those in at outtakes at the end of the episode. Yeah. So if you didn't know, now you know. Sometimes after the final theme music, there is something to hear. Yes, I agree. It is definitely worth checking out, <laughs> to say the least. But as always, we like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. Ray, are you ready? I mean, I can do this, I think. I, th- I think you got this. Question number one. Now, this I'm asking you this question because somebody asked me this question. I knew the answer, mm. but they knew I knew the answer because of the complexion of my skin. I'm like, huh. Oh. I, don't know, I don't know if I should be offended by that or not. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. This was like this was like uh what is it? Dave Chappelle like ask a Negro. <laughs> right, right, right. So you're asking me. Yeah. You're asking me is what I hear. So I'm gonna ask you the Perfect. question that I was asked. Okay, I'll do my Ray, best. What is a glizzy? Jeez. What is a glizzy? Yes. And you knew the answer. Yes, I did. So maybe it was asked appropriately, is all I'm gonna say, because <laughs> when I think of glizzy, I think of a snow globe. <laughs> That is not that has that has like glitter in it. That's what I think a glizzy is. That should be what a glizzy is actually, but that is not the answer. A glizzy, what is it? yeah. What believe is that? it or not, is a hot dog. Is that right? That is the new slang term for a hot dog. I know this because of my son and rappers. See, yeah, you, you lost me at new. You lost me. Yes, I only deal in the old. Uh, I am getting that way as well. Yeah. It'll, it'll come at you fast. That's for sure. Question number two. Michael Jackson or Prince? Oh, man. See, you got to take, if we take off the field activities out of the picture, like the answer is obviously 100% Prince, purely because Michael Jackson did some stuff that we're not very proud of, right? But if we're talking about just musically, I will take the music of Michael Jackson over the music of Prince like most of the time, well, Little Red Corvette and Purple Rain, uh, there are, you know, uh, there are many hits, the uh, Bat Dance, for gosh sakes, many Prince hits. And I love Prince and his halftime show at the Super Bowl. I think I'm agreeing with people who say that's the greatest halftime show in Super Bowl history. I'll get on board with that. That being said, you know, I had this conversation at work. Michael Jackson is like has like 20 bona fide hits under his belt. At you least. Know? At least, you know, we went through the list of uh, songs. The Thriller album alone is like eight top 10 tracks. Like, it's unbelievable. And got to be starting something. Billy Jean's one of my favorite songs of all time. Thriller, uh, Beat It, you know, uh, all of them bad. Uh, Black and White, Man in the Mirror. Like, there are so many incredible Michael Jackson songs out there. I would go with Michael Jackson on this. Everything else aside. I agree. I agree. Michael Jackson is my, my weak point. That's the one. Like I'm, I'm pretty like stand up when it comes to everything and atrocities in life and things like that. But Michael Jackson's like, ah, please don't tell me about it anymore. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's a really just it's obviously a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, but the music are still is still jams. You know, it it is what it is. That's my one. Like I, I've never been a Bill Cosby fan. Like I never liked the Cosby. I grew up on Sanford and Son and stuff like that. Can I tell you, I grew up a massive Bill Cosby fan. My dad used to have the guy's comedy albums on record in the basement. And I would grow up. And I think a lot of my sense of, of humor came from listening to uh, Bill Cosby records and old fire sign theater. If you're familiar with them at all, if you're not, yes. you should be fire sign theater albums. Uh, uh, yeah. Bill Cosby records. I think a few other comedians, uh, Steve Martin for sure. And it was just these old routines. And that just really built up this sense of comedy that I have. So when Bill Cosby came, it turned out to be a creep and turned out to be an absolutely terrible human being. It wrecked me. It really wrecked me because I had so much esteem for that man to find out that, you know, he was a, a very, very bad person. Horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks because I, I can't, I don't go back and listen to his old stuff uh, anymore, you know? And is that fair? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is on all this. I only know what I do. I, and I, what I'll I do in that is is I just don't watch it. I don't listen to it. It's a shame because he was trans transformational. He was generational talent. He, he definitely he was. Blew it, and he blew it. He completely blew it. Big yeah. time. Blew it more than anybody could possibly blow it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's I mean, no way you can, like, redeem that at this point. Yeah. 
It's just, you, you can't, you can even say like, oh, well, times were different back then. That was still assault and a crime. Yeah, like, that's it, was, it may have been more culturally accepted way back in, you know, 50 years ago, but that doesn't make it any less heinous. Yes. <laughs> it just means people didn't get punished for it. So in many ways, it's more heinous. I, I agree. <laughs> Oh, no, let's talk about anything but Bill Cosby now. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's talk about this week, man. <laughs> oh, for F's sake, Delvin Cox. <laughs> Not get me going. Speaking of ridiculous people, what is the most ridiculous thing you've seen living out in California? That's question What's number about, three. Oh, I can't talk about some of this. Uh, let's, uh, I've been to many goth clubs. When I was younger, not so much lately, uh, uh, Married Ray doesn't go to goth clubs anymore. But Not Married Ray went to goth clubs a lot. And saw a lot of things I don't feel comfortable talking about on the Delvin Cox experience. Um, as far as crazy things, I don't know. Like every day in LA is crazy. Every day in LA has things you've never possibly seen before. I would say the oddest thing that I saw now after having lived in LA for like 10 years was I was walking by a bus stop bench and two people were having a conversation. And the craziest thing was they were speaking English to each other. Huh. craziest thing i've seen in l if you live in la you know i get it. that as you're walking down the street 90 percent of conversations are happening in a language other than english because we are such a massive melting pot and we're better for it just for the record we are we are phenomenal with bringing in people from all around the world who are all going to live together and became become angelinos together i highly recommend it for everybody um except I don't want anybody else moving here because it's congested enough as it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say, I would say when I walked by two people on a bus bench and I realized I understood their conversation, I, I literally, I took a step and I went, Oh, Hey, okay, cool. And then I kept going, <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, God like club that. stuff aside, cause I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your show with that filth. Miami is a lot like that. Oh, and by the way, I don't think you can get as bad as, <laughs> I'll tell you oh, that story offline. Dude. Yeah, well, fair, Delvin. We'll have some conversations. I've seen some wh stuff. One of the, the guys came on this podcast talking about how he was at a rave and somebody started having sex with the concrete. You know what? You're feeling it in the moment. You're not hurting anybody. You do you, raver. Yeah, that was actually a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question four. We got a triple threat match going, Ray. Oh, boy. Okay. Beekman's World, Mr. Wizard, or Bill, not a science guy. Who you got? That's tough. All three are phenomenal. Let me yes. start there. Uh, Bill Nye. I mean, look, Beekman's world. Beekman is a G. Uh, Beekman is a guy who's been giving back to the younger up and coming streamers and whatnot. So I give it up to Beekman. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye is an OG. You know, he was a stand up comedian and improviser back in Seattle, Washington uh, at the start of his career. He was on a show called Almost Live which is a show on early, early Comedy Central that was just a kind of a, 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 a adult humor sketch comedy show. And it was Bill Nye is just on that show. Is, it would be like watching Kids in the Hall, but one of them was Bill Nye. Right? Interesting. It's, I highly recommend find some old clips of Almost Live. Uh, and you'll see like very young Bill Nye. So he's an OG uh, co comedian guy. But my answer is Mr. Wizard because that was the, I'm old enough because I'm old. Uh, that uh, uh, that's the show I grew up watching was Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon. And I think his show is the inferior show to the other two, but purely nostalgic factors. I watched Bill Nye and Beekman after I was already kind of an adult, but Mr. Wizard hit me when I was a kid. So I'm going to go with Mr. Wizard on this, even though uh, I would say it's not even an opinion. His show is the weakest show of those three. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I remember these shows vividly. I want to say I was becoming a teenager when Bill Nye was coming out, I want to say. Because mm -hmm. that's the latest of the three You're shows. You're younger than me, Delvin. You don't have to couch yeah. around it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I, I remember looking at um, Mr. Wizard now, like going back. His experiments were pretty basic. No, it was it was real. Just like drop the Mentos in the Diet Coke, you know? Yes. Was <laughs> that, that was the sum of his experiments. I remember Beekman being a little bit more complex and being more fun. And I remember <laughs> Bill Nye kind of being like a little a little different flair to it. I also remember, if I remember correctly, Bill Nye was on Back to the Future the Animated Series. Was he really? See, I did not know yes. that. If I remember correctly, Bill Nye, I don't know if you remember this, it, that Back to the Future the Animated Series was hosted by Christopher Lloyd. Oh, okay, okay. 
And they would have sometimes, like, you would do, like, science experiments at the end of every episode and stuff like that. And sometimes, Bill Nye would host them with them. Okay. That's wild. Yeah. A, a young Bill Nye, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I have season one and season two of Back to the Future the animated series on DVD. So, I used to, oh, I watch them all the time. I'm a big so, Back to the Future fan. I've just, just for the sake of argument, I put a YouTube clip I found of Bill Nye from Almost Live. You can put this in the liner notes for this episode, so that way the people can watch it at home if they would like to. Uh, Bill Nye playing a, a low-budget superhero known as Speed Walker. I gotta watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't actually watched the clip, but I remember, I've seen all of these way back in the day, and it's always funny. Uh, when is the Almost Live? Bill Nye is probably stopping. His estate is stopping. <laughs> almost live from coming out on DVD or streaming to protect Probably. his image because he does some raunchy stuff on almost live. I would assume so. <laughs> it's funny. It's it's a funny show, man. It legitimately is funny. At least I remember it being funny. I have not watched it in like, oh, uh, it's, a, it's a 30 year old show at this point. So I got to check that out. All right. Fifth question. And Ready? that's the end of our episode. Sorry, I talked too long, everybody. <laughs> Listen to my vampire show. We didn't have time to fit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's your top five guilty pleasure films? Top five guilty pleasure films. Now, are these, when you say guilty, define for me guilty pleasure, because I'm not someone who feels guilt about liking what I like. You mean five films I know are bad, but I watch them anyway? Yes. Like for me, Fair. Street Fighter the movie is out there in that. It's a great movie. Yes. Uh, look, if you're talking about movie, oh, here's the deal. Mo movies that I think are good, most of America thinks are bad, and I will watch them any chance I can get. Uh, Jason X, which is Jason Voorhees in space from Friday the 13th. Yes. One of my favorite movies of all time. Virtuosity, a movie I will talk about over and over and over again. Russell Crowe's uh, second movie he made in America is Sid 6.7 uh, with Denzel Washington acting his little heart out and just doing the best he can. That movie's fantastic, though. Ricochet. Another Denzel. I think I just I love, love that this movie. Denzel. Ricochet is one of my favorite movies of all time, but nobody likes it. I love nobody it. thinks that that movie is good. And uh, I'm just trying to think right now. Two other movies that I know are bad. I love Ricochet so much. It's loves. so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I mean, do we say like Evil Dead 1? I don't know. Like, I think everybody kind of loves Evil Dead 1, but. People love it you know. now. They didn't love yeah. it when it came out. Yeah. And, uh. You know, a lot of people are down on Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. I that's just found crazy. this out recently that people think that's a bad movie. And it's like, no, that is just normal MCU greatness. It's like yeah. only an 8.5. So that's why you think it's bad, because your frame of reference is jacked up. Uh, I would put that up there. Is that a guilty pleasure? I don't know. But that's a movie that for, I didn't even know till like years later that there's like a margin of people out there who say this is a bad movie. It is very much not a bad movie. Yeah, people I will defend this movie all day. People are starting to change their tune on that one. But yeah, when it came out, it was panned a lot. Yeah. People didn't like it at all. So weird. I don't know. I never heard their voices until much later. Yeah. That's unfortunately. Fortunately, you probably didn't hear it on Twitter. So that's a good thing. No. I was on Twitter when they was talking about that movie. Well, when people start spouting bad movie opinions, I probably just mute them. I'm just like, you know, it's like this new movie, Thor Love and Thunder, right? Have you seen this thing? I enjoy it. I enjoyed the heck out of it. That's like a solid nine to me. I absolutely thought it was great. I thought the comedy bits paid off. I thought the goats were hilarious. I, I thought did, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, one of my favorite actors, if not my favorite actor of all time. Uh, and he was just hilarious in it as, as chubby Zeus uh, made me laugh. And, you know, and everything about it was just fun. The action was fun. The love triangle with the two weapons was hilarious and fun. Yes, it's a I agree. Fun movie. And it's a fun movie about cancer. If you really think about it. So, yes, you know, Way better than that one with uh, Jogo Lev in it. <laughs> um, that said, you know, I go on Twitter and I find it's so funny, Delvin, and I'll say this out loud knowing who I'm going to offend, but everybody whose film opinions I respect loved it and gave it high marks. Everyone on Twitter who I already know their film opinions I do not respect or think they have good film opinions, they all said get rated it very, very low. And so pretty much this has become my new benchmark movie I ask somebody what they thought of it, and if they say good things, that I think I probably might agree with their film opinions. But if they say bad things about Thor: Love and Thunder, I know I can pretty much discount anything they say going forward because they're just not right. I agree. I think Taika Waititi did a good job with that movie. I thought I thought it was fun. I yeah. think it's a great movie to come out after Doctor Strange. 
Yes, completely different tonally. Look, does Thor Ragnarok a better movie? Yes. yes. I would say yes and undoubtedly yes. Uh, I think everything uh, work that everything that works works better in Ragnarok than it does Love and Thunder, but Love and Thunder is still fantastic. I laughed, I cried, it became a part of me. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I I, I like seeing Jane Foster. I thought the story was well told. I, and it was funny. It was a funny movie. Very funny movie. I liked it a lot. So, let's talk about Reclaim Detroit. A I've been vampire- talking so long so we wouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> a Vampire the Masquerade series. How did you come up with the idea of doing Vampire the Masquerade for one thing? Were sure. you a fan of the series? Let's get, let's get into that because I think I like that it's so because we're wrapping up Star Wars now, Legacy, mm-hmm. which Crystal Storm is doing an excellent job on. That's ending. And now I'm coming into this and it's totally because I've heard episode one Totally is very different. And I like that Star Wars is something that everybody knows. Their mom, their dad. You can ask anybody in the street, hey, you know, Star Wars, so you can easily grasp that concept. Yes. Vampire the Masquerade, not so much. It's a niche audience. Now, it's yeah. the fan base that loves it really, really loves it. So you got to make sure you respect the material, that's for sure. Yeah. So what made you want to do... Vampire the Masquerade. Let's let's start with that one first. Sure. I, I am a big-time fan of Vampire the Masquerade. The role-playing game uh, goes back to, I used to run campaigns and play in games back in second edition. That's the green book with the rose on it for those kids playing at home. I'm pretty sure that that is second edition. Somebody, I'm sure, can fact-check me, but that's, that's where I got it from. We were playing in the late 90s, uh, all the way up through the beginning of the aughts, you know, after Y2K. And this particular... Uh, Reclaim Detroit is loosely, and I'll emphasize the word loosely, based on an actual Vampire the Masquerade campaign that I was the uh, storyteller, I was the DM for, uh, back in like 1999, 2000, 2001. And so we t- we told the uh, arc, uh, uh, and it has very little to do with the actual story. The overarching uh, world is similar in that uh, in the story mirrors The story of Reclaim Detroit mirrors the story of the campaign, which is that in the actual uh, vampire lore at the time, which they put out books for all the cities and everything, Detroit was known as being a stronghold of the evil Sabbat vampires. The Sabbat vampires um, held control over the city. And then if you were a masquerade vampire, a member of the Camarilla, as we say, then uh, you just didn't go there because it was a bad place for you. Essentially, it was a no-go zone. So I wanted to set a story about Camarilla vampires in Detroit because that's where we were all living at the time. That's where I'm from. And this is a place I know reasonably well. And so in order to tell this story, I had to first tell the story of how all the bad guy vampires got kicked out. Because in the traditional lore uh, from, from the White Wolf people, there are evil vampires from the city. So I wrote a story like, let's just take set a story a few years after a bunch of Camarilla, quote unquote, good guy vampires came into Detroit and kicked all the bad guys out and they went across the border to Canada. And then let's tell the story of essentially this is a new open wild West territory where everybody's trying to find their footholds and everybody's trying to just, uh, 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 find a new way of life in a newly taken city. And meanwhile, the specter of the bad guys coming back and counterattacking is always on the table. Let, let me tell you this. I haven't heard the first episode. The concept is phenomenal. The voice acting is stellar. Yeah. Like when I say stellar, I mean like audible podcast stellar. Like, hey, you could put this as an audio book stellar. How did you get the cast for this? How much money do you have to pay this cast? Because this cast <laughs> sounds expensive. And me listening to the episode, the production values are super high. I didn't know Ray was rich, but... <laughs> how did you put this cast together because this is phenomenal if you knew how i have put money into it let's just keep it real you know a little bit here and there you know this graphic you see behind me on screen that was made i, I paid somebody to make that for me uh thankfully you know who would win has a lot of advertisers <laughs> and i'm able to use that without breaking the bank um the majority of the 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 voice talent and i know some top level vo talent personally both from doing sketch comedy back in the day and so many people that have come through the Who Would Win show. Um, Generally speaking, I have some kind of a personal relationship 
with uh, many of the voice actors that are on the show. So you would be shocked to find out that I had to pay my voice actors either nothing or next to nothing in order to get them purely me asking them if they would like to be a part of this cool new thing I'm doing and may sometimes saying, showing them nothing else. They would say, yes, uh, I Ray, you, you tell me where to be and I will be there. And I am blessed to know so many talented people who are wanting to say yes. Now I can only assume I caught them during a slow time in their personal schedules. Um, but VO people, and I'll say it before VO actors are the coolest people on the planet. I've known people everywhere. VO actors are the ones that I just, I have the most awe for as human beings. Uh, and so uh, this show features a lot of people, many of whom you've heard on the Who Would Win show as judges before. Um, in many, in many, many cases, you know. Uh, so it, during the course of this show, you know, uh, we open episode one, Alexander, which is out right now. Uh, Alexander's played by uh, Matthew Harris, uh, who just, just appeared on the Who Would Win show. Uh, doing a phenomenal job doing the John Wick versus Bane episode from a, a week or two ago. Yes, phenomenal episode. Great episode. Uh, uh, don't always agree with the decisions, but that's a separate point whatsoever. Um, <laughs> uh, but he came on, he's doing it. And he's also the host of the Own Every Word uh, game show on Twitch. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, just a, a great guy. And he does an absolutely fantastic job doing it. And it's just a matter of just like I, I I wrote the thing out and there's I wrote way too many characters into it. I think I watched too much G.I. Joe because in my head, having like <laughs> nine to ten different characters per episode made sense. And then in hindsight, I'm like, but now you have to cast nine to ten voice actors per episode. What the heck are you doing? I, I got to I, I got to stop you right there because I, I want to touch on something you said earlier. Yeah. Matthew Harris does an amazing job at the main character in this series. His voice fits the role perfectly. He he eases you into this whole universe so well. Uh, it's tier one. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm amazed at how well he fits this role and kind of brings me into the story and makes me get invested into it. So kudos to you to casting someone so perfect for the role. That's right. And and I will I will emphasize Reclaim Detroit is not just about one character. You know, Alexander, um, played by Matthew Harris, is one of the main characters of the show. But we are telling the stories of five vampires, uh, five main characters to my story and how they interact and what they do together. And you'll hear it as the episodes come out, uh, but how they interact and relate to each other. Uh, so each episode of the first five that we're going to be releasing here uh, in here in August. 2022 uh they're all each one is going to feature a different one of the main characters of the show so you're going to hear five different perspectives on the same world of the same night that is so cool i like that concept what made you want to do it that way instead of telling one singular story with one character because i'm a I crazy like person that's why <laughs> <laughs> it seems a lot more complex to do it that way by the way it is i mean look it took a lot it took a long time to storyboard this thing out and make it fit right um and have things going the way i wanted and honestly half the time i would have to go back and rewrite earlier things because of things i wrote later and i'm like oh this doesn't fit anymore that's not who this character is anymore so i've got to rewrite their lines that happened a lot uh, with a couple of the characters in the show um i'm a big fan of game of thrones and uh, I've watched a TV show and my understanding of the books, I've not read the books, so maybe I shouldn't have done this, but the each, each chapter of the books is from the point of view of a different character. And the character is sometimes, is always there, you know, is there in the scenes. Sometimes they're involved in the scenes. Sometimes they're like a fly on the wall of the scenes. Sometimes, you know, they're the, like the main person of the scenes, but each chapter, as I understand it, is written from the point of view of a certain person. And so I decided that's how I wanted to write this audio drama. But I really didn't like, uh, from what I've heard uh, uh, other places, when they ping pong points of view and it happens like three, four, five times over the course of an episode, that to me can get very confusing. Yes. Uh, uh, as far as just keeping track of who, where I am, who I'm with and who's doing what. So each episode of the show going forward all the way through until I stop doing it, each singular episode is going to be from the point of view of one character. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And I'll tell you why I like that. Because doing that gets you invested in each character. That's right. So when something happens to one of those characters, you feel it more. Yep. You, you have a personal stake in how each of these people are doing. So even if these people 
uh, come back as a secondary character in another episode, you're still going to be on board with what they're doing and care for their well-being, hopefully, if I'm doing it right. <laughs> I, I will say, based off of episode one, I would say yes. Because the characters in episode one, I'm like, yeah, these, this is my guy. This yep. is, I, yep. I want him to be like standing tall throughout this series. So I'm, I'm super excited to see where the story goes. Then I'm so sorry for all the hell I'm going to put these people through. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me touch on a little, another thing about, yes, about this that, that I noticed immediately about this. The music, mm. the score for this is phenomenal. Yes. Let, let's start off with the intro. The intro with the violin, the theme song. Amazing. How did you come up with this? Who, who did you get to do this? It's so good. It sounds like something off a TV show. So, um, uh, I, I have a friend named Sean, uh, Sean Gould, uh, who does all the music and all the mixing for the show. Um, and I happen to be, you know, our, my kid is, is friends with his kid. Uh, his wife, uh, me and my wife used to do sketch comedy with way back in the day. And so we were kind of hanging out at their house one time, just spending a weekend, like a Saturday afternoon, letting the kids play and run around the yard. Right. So I, I pulled, I pulled aside Sean and I said to him, I said, Sean, I'm working on this vampire, the masquerade audio drama. I'm kind of just starting this out. And I have this piece of music, which hasn't happened in the show yet, but a piece of music that's specifically tied to one of the characters. And, you know, would you be okay? Would you would you have the ability to take the time to do write me up like a couple minutes of music for this character? Because I know you're he's a professional composer for TV, uh, audio dramas, movies. Oh, it's noticeable. Like, that's what he does. That's literally like his job. And I said, would it be, would you have any time to do that? And I, he said, well, pitch me the idea. What's your show? So I pitched him the idea, kind of what I just told you about, you know, Detroit, a lot of vampires, vampire, the masquerade is the world is the backdrop, but I'm creating a whole world inside that world. Uh, we're telling a story from a bunch of different points of view. Here's some of the characters. And he said, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer to write all the music for your entire show. Holy and crap. I just jaw hits the ground, right? I say to him, I say, look, I would never in my life ask you to do that because I know how much work it is. If you are offering to do it, I will say yes quickly and run out the door before you can change your mind. <laughs> he says, no, Ray, I'm, I love this idea. I love what you're doing here and I want to be a part of it. So I would love to uh, write the, all the music for the show. So that's what you're hearing. Is, that is insane. Is, yeah, is Sean uh, has written all this music in his spare time. Uh, to back up the show. So uh, I, I I wrote the show. I wrote all the episodes. And then I cast all the voice actors. Um, uh, and uh, I, I got the sound files from everybody around there. And then I do the actual physical editing to put the entire show together with uh, sound effects, uh, ambient noise in the backgrounds, you know, anything that you're hearing basically outside of music. And then I pass that rough cut over to Sean who then kicks me over. Uh, okay. I added a bunch of music here. Tell me what you think. And then we do a little back and forth, but I'm like, yeah, this is brilliant. This is all brilliant. <laughs> I have so good. nothing to say this. His music is absolutely incredible. And it really makes the show sound even better than it would be otherwise by far. Yeah. The music really brings out the show. Mm -hmm. And when the moments in the episode gets tense, especially episode one and the music kind of rises mm -hmm. to the occasion of it, it's so yes. good. I am. Yes. I, I'm. I'm amazed. I'm impressed by how well everything gels together. You kind of hit the jackpot with this. Yes. No. I'm going to tell you right now the one of the benefits of living in Los Angeles for 15 plus years and doing a lot of comedy stuff with a lot of different people is I know enough people in enough places now who have all gone on to even expand their craft further and uh, really are excellent at what they do. Uh, and then uh, if they like you, they will work with you. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I think that's awesome. I also appreciate that you being the creator of this series, you didn't do the thing where like, okay, I'm the creator. I'm going to make myself the star as well. Well, I do play one of the five main characters. I'm just not the one in episode one. Yes. You play a, a, a subdued role in episode one. I, li I like that. Well, here's the deal. I, my voice is heard in all five episodes that you will hear. I am a complete narcissist, Elvin Cox. So <laughs> uh, I will say that I do play one of the five main characters, but my character was not the appropriate one to put 
leading off, if you will. I, I got you. I got you. So far, I'm enjoying where the show is going. Well, well let, me, let me let you name some of the voice cast you have working on this show, because I think that's very important to kind of shout them out with this. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, we have all this. You can go to VampireDetroit.com. Uh, and there's a meet the cast section that we're still kind of working out. It should be by the time this airs, it should be out. Uh, it should be set up properly. But you can go to the IMDb pages of any of these people. But you've got uh, myself. I'm in it. You know me. You've got Matthew Harris, uh, Jen Kane, who was just on the Who Would Win show uh, doing the Bowser versus Raven matchup. She is in Reclaim Detroit as one of my main characters. She does a lot of voice acting, uh, a lot of looping and a lot of like uh, uh, adding in extra like death noises, voice matching. She's unbelievably talented and does yes. a lot of this, this stuff that's not necessarily out in the public eye. Uh, Rama Valuri. Uh, who is one of my favorite people in the world, Rama Valuri, host of uh, Tuned In on Nickelodeon. Uh, he plays the voice in uh, animatronics, the robot, uh, who's cool. the host of the show. And he plays one of my main characters. And then Rachel Kimsey, uh, who's also been on Who Would Win a long time ago. She's one of the people who made RoboCop lose, but I forgive her <laughs> for that for doing this. Uh, she is just a tremendous voice talent. She was in Call of Duty Black Ops 3 as one of the main characters. She does the voice of Wonder Woman on one of the Justice League cartoons. Uh, she did the voice of uh, Miss Fortune in League of Legends, the oh. popular video game. Like, she's just everywhere doing everything. I can't believe she said yes to me. I can't. Now, here's the deal, Delvin, and this is the crazy thing, is no, I did not get a single no from anybody. That's Every amazing. Every single person I asked said yes, which is just unbelievable. And uh, Jason Kelly, we got Jason Kelly in there. Uh, who was who was just in the uh, the Jeremy Renner prison show, Mayor of East East Town? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, uh, he was excellent in that, and he's also the main uh, voice of the main character in the game Death Loop, that very popular game from Arcane Studios that just came out. The shooter. He's the main guy of that game and was up for Video Game Actor of the Year awards at the most recent Game Awards. Cool. And he's he's in my thing. <laughs> That's so crazy. He's unbelievable. He's he's like uh, I I can't express enough that just like when I when I got the files from all of these amazing voice talents and I, they started coming trickling in right and and yeah and then I would just listen to it and I would just be giggling just like I don't deserve this much talent. It's so <laughs> taking it's so my impressive. writing and making it like making it sound like legit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so cool. Is let me let me ask you this since you brought it up. So far during this process, are there any characters that you had a voice for, but because you got this so talented voice cast for it, the voice kind of changed because of the act that yes. you have playing it? Yes, a thousand percent. There have been a few different voices. Now you're hearing episode one. One of those uh, bikers uh, has a thick Jamaican accent. Yes. Uh, yes. You know what I'm talking about. And that was not even close to how it was written. Um, that was an actor, uh, uh, Julian Lindsay is his name. Uh, he's a friend of Rama Valuri. He helped put me in touch with him and he gave me three takes on the thing. The first and second takes were just normal kind of gruff biker. And then the third one, he just decided to get crazy and do this wild Jamaican accent. And I'm like, well, there's no way I'm doing a Jamaican. I mean, that's going to be a little bit too silly, but he was so good and he was so fun to listen to in that character. And he kept making me laugh during this horrific, horrific scene he added a certain levity to it that made it like not as rough as it could have been uh, that, uh, you know, uh, when it all went down, I was like, yeah, this guy's Jamaican now. Cool. That is cool. That is really <laughs> and, cool. In a later episode, uh, um, uh, a mom character uh, who was originally conceived of to be a, a middle Eastern, uh, a, a middle Eastern mama, you know, um, uh, based on a, a couple of uh, women I've seen on TV um on various i think cooking shows um but uh, so i wrote it kind of with this voice in mind and then when uh, uh that actress uh, emily churchill uh, again brought by rama valuri who suggests her over she does this kindly you know white sounding suburban midwest almost you know leaky chicago accent and i'm oh. like but she's the mom of a middle eastern character like that doesn't that doesn't work that doesn't make sense and Rama Valuri told me, he goes, you know, it's funny thing is my mom was born in the old country. She came over here. And if you heard her talk, that's exactly what she sounds like. Wow. You know what? That justified it enough for me because the performance was so fun. Uh, yes, that is that is now what she sounds like. And I can use your justification as a direct result. That is so cool that you and have me, these resources. 
Yeah, and let me I, I expound upon your first question a little bit more because I want to make sure I put it on the record. So I made I, I did this role playing game, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, pencil and paper and dice, and we played through about one and a half story arcs. Kind of kind of fell apart halfway through the second story arc as role playing games can do. But the first story arc concluded uh, and would be an endpoint potentially of where we go here. Uh, and I've had the idea of writing this as a as a movie, as a TV show. As something, just as a book, I don't know, writing this and expanding out on it, because these ideas have been going through my head for, sort of God, 20 years, right? Thinking like, this might make good fodder for a show. And it wasn't until I heard Port Saga, a show I will talk about all the time off air. I'm a big fan of Port Saga. You can check them out on Twitter, at Port Saga. And they did a 10-episode Vampire the Masquerade story of their own. And I remember reaching out to the, the people who made it, to uh, Rachel and Diane, uh, Diane and uh, uh, I said, guys, uh, what? Uh, how? How did you do this? It's Vampire the Masquerade. This is owned material. And they said, no, 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 no. The vampire people who own it now uh, want you to do stuff. They want audio dramas. They want uh, video games. They want books. They want pictures. So they go hands off the IP as long as you're not completely disrespecting it. But if you're doing it, the quote unquote, you know, uh, in good faith, they will let you just do whatever you want. As long as you don't pretend you own the world of darkness, you can own the stuff you've created for the world of darkness, but the actual world around it, they maintain ownership of. And as long as you can walk the line and, you know, so I could sell a shirt with Alexander on it and say Alexander, and I could sell that shirt and they wouldn't care. But if I wrote a shirt that said clan gangrel and then had a picture of Alexander on it, they would tell me to stop it. You know, that's the, that's where the line is drawn. That is cool. Um, yeah. And so after hearing Port Saga, I got real, real bleeping inspired. Uh, I really, really, really wanted like, oh, they did it. My show would probably work as an audio drama. I have all the skills and I know enough people to make an audio drama. Let's make a thing and make a thing. And so I kind of, I, I kind of talked to the Port Saga folks again. And they were very, very helpful. I want to shout them out as much as possible. You should go check out that show. It's phenomenal. Very, very uh, good show. And uh, and yeah, so I basically came up with ideas of my own and a lot of it based on this old game that I was working. And yeah, and so this game, this show would not exist if Port Saga did not exist. I'm going to say it. I'll just say it out right now. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Check out Port Saga, everybody. If you haven't checked it out, I think that's a good, kind of podcast to get into then get into vamp and get into this one i think that's dope i, I like that you you have this unit this kind of vampire in the masquerade universe kind of like on audio that's dope yeah and i'm sure there's more than just these two i have no doubt in my mind other people have done some stuff too i haven't heard a lot of it i truthfully have been too busy with this to go seeking out a lot of it but i've listened to port saga at least three times all the way through uh, I cool. really like, I really, really, I cannot express enough how much I enjoyed that show. Now that show is different in that it's told from the perspective of one vampire and it's their story through all the episodes. I believe it's 10 episodes. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 episodes. It might only be eight. Ah, sue me. It's fine. Okay. Uh, listen to them all. Anyway, I listen to the mega cut at this point. They have one mega cut. That's four hours long, which is every episode of Port Sock. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of episodes, five episodes this season. Is there going to be a season two? Here's the deal. It's five episodes this split. There's going to be the second half of season one. Okay. Yes. My plan is, and I'm still in post-production right now, but once I get all five episodes out of my hands effectively, because the final music and mixing is done by Sean, although I do help with the mixing. I, I, I come and uh, give inputs. We do it together, honestly, but he's the one actually on the keyboard who knows how things work. So he gets full credit for the mix and I get none. Okay. And, I, and I can live like that. That's fine. Um, but I'm there to help uh, nominally say that's too quiet. You know, that's what I do, you know. Um, but I, there will be 13 episodes of season one. Oh. I, have mapped, I have mapped out all of season one. Now, you're going to hear the first five here. I don't know. I, I'm going to be faster at it than I was at these. Uh, because I've done it now and I actually like know all the mistakes that I can make along the way and I can get ahead of them. So there will going to be eight more episodes coming in season one. And I've already got the roadmap for them planned out. It's just going to be a matter. I refuse to go any further than roadmapping and light outlining for them because I don't want to get too ahead of myself until the first five episodes are out of my hands in post-production. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you can't, 
you know, to, you, you can't uh, two in the hand for one in the bush or something like that. You know, yeah, you something like that. Something like that. You can't, you know, one in the hand for two in the two. Uh, here's the the point is finish what you're doing now before you start looking ahead to do too much in the future. So I do have a roadmap, but I have not done any hard looking uh, and any hard writing. I have not actually put a uh, paper to pen yet as far as any new scripts go uh, until this post-production is done. And I am sure that we are going to get these five episodes out one, two, three, four, five. And I am relatively sure we're going to based on the cadence that we've established. I like it. I like it a lot. That's dope. So, so- the plan is to get at least uh, at least start uh, dropping these new episodes in December of 2022. The goal is to start dropping them before the end of the year. We'll That's see great. if we get there. That's just the plan. <laughs> I like but it. Here's I like the it. They are going to come out. That, that, I'm committed I, to them. That's great. I'm, I'm excited now. I thought it was only going to be five. Now I know it's going to be 13. I'm even more excited. This is awesome. So yeah, these these first five episodes are just to create the world we're going to play in. I want to establish these five characters because each one is going to be based on a character. I want to establish, you know, kind of some of their relationships that they have coming into the, the where we're going. And then once we have the world established, then we're going to you'll see what I mean after episode five. when okay. a lot will become more clear. I don't want to give a lot away because we're not quite there yet. But the world will start getting smaller and coming together more and more until the end of episode five. And that will really lay the framework for now we're going to play in this sandbox together. Okay. Now, final thing I want to ask you about. Crystal Storm did a great job with her Star Wars podcast with what she has the after show. Where people can who listen to the Star Wars podcast can, can we listen to it, talk right. about the show, interview the cast things like that. Vampire Masquerade's having some reclaimed choice having a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah, I've been talking to Crystal Storm about doing it hosting on her channel. Um we ha- you know, I still need to talk to her a bunch and honestly the first if I believe this correct, the first one of those after shows should have already happened on Tuesday as we dropped the show on August 2nd and we would have done the li- live stream on Tuesday. Now, as we record this, it hasn't happened yet, but yeah, as you I, listen to this, I, it should have I was have in happened. there. It was excellent. I had a fun after show. Thank you, Ray. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Delvin. Here's me breaking the fourth wall all over the place. Uh, yes, uh, Crystal Storm on uh, uh, twitch.tv slash, I believe, Crystal's Imagination. Yes. Is where you go, and you can go there. I assume it's going to be uh, uh, every Tuesday uh, uh, early evening, depending on what side of the country you live on. Early for me, middle of the evening for everybody else on the East yes. Coast. Um, but you go to the channel. If you go to at Vampire Detroit on Twitter, uh, you will get that information. You will, if you're on there and you're paying attention, you will know when these after shows are happening. And I recommend people check out the after shows because, as with the Star Wars podcast, which I appreciated, you get more context in the characters. And I think with something like this, I think it's cool to just sit there, talk to the cast, and learn a lot bit more about the world and the universe. I think it's a dope idea, and I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm real curious because I will say there are cast members in this show that I have never met personally before. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, a few of them, honestly, like uh, uh, just reaching out across the internet to people because the internet allows us to do some crazy things. So, and I know a lot of people that are in this show only got the scenes that they're in. <laughs> so they oh. often got very little context of, aside from the scene that they were a part of to anything else that happened in their episode, much less the show as a whole. So I'd love to hear the opinion of somebody who only had like a one or two scene part coming in, listening to the episode and hearing how they fit in that puzzle and kind of getting their impressions of what did you think you were doing when you got this weird script? That is awesome. That is, is so awesome. Be- it is going to be a little bit of a weird show. This show is intended to be an irreverent noir. That's the two-word phrase I would keep using to describe what Reclaimed Detroit is. It's not, I mean, some of the folks who brought in, because I got a lot of people from the world of comedy, they thought I was straight up just making a comedy. So they were giving me some very broad interpretations of these characters. And I'm like, no, 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 dude, bring it in. I want, if everybody plays it straight and everybody plays it serious, even if you are outlandish saying outlandish things, if you keep it real, it's going to feel real and it's going to feel more grounded. So we are in a reverent noir. And I really think that Alexander and the job that Matthew Harris did in episode one really like bring you to that noir angle and yes. set the tone early, set it early. I, I agree. I think episode one is phenomenal. 
I love it. It's one of the best audio dramas I've heard so far. I'm excited to see where it goes. Like it's it's really it's so good. It's so entertaining. I, I listen to a lot of audio dramas. That's my thing. I listen to sure. And one of the things about them that you know that production is not always there. Even with the audible ones, it's not always get, there. It's not always there. And I like that right off the bat. It's there. You nailed it. Everything about it is there, and it makes you want to hear episode two and go forward with it. Yep. So, kudos to you. I didn't want to do it if it wasn't going to sound good. I think that's the most important thing for putting a, a show out there is if the audio quality is bad, people are going to tune out right away. Yeah, I agree. And it's not only that the audio quality is good, it's good in a way that feels TV quality. Mm-hmm. If you get my get my drift, I do. No, it's we, not we, like, got, we got a bunch of pros in here. Yeah, it's not like podcast good. Podcast good is one thing. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I <laughs> know exactly what you're saying right now. Yeah, yeah. TV quality sound like something that you would hear on a TV series or a radio drama is completely different. I'm like, this sounds phenomenal. Yeah. Well, when you got superstars at every level of production, and then me in the middle of it, just trying, you know, to keep them together. <laughs> Uh, That's where the joy comes out of it. You know, I I just, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to make a show for me. I wanted to make a show that I would enjoy. And if I've always had the opinion in every phase of my life doing everything, I just want to make a show that I would enjoy watching. Because what I have found is that if I enjoy uh, something and I enjoy watching or listening to something, other people tend to enjoy it as well. They just got to check it out and give it a chance. I I think so. I think you kind of nailed it with this one. Final thing I have to ask you, do, are there any special cameos who win fans would expect to check out Man. or any G.I. Joe podcast fans, any one of your podcasts? I know, I know what you're asking me right now, and I will say yes. Okay. Uh, you can expect to hear in a small part, and when you hear him and you hear the situation that he's in, you're going to think it's delicious if you're a Who Would Win show fan or a Rainiac or Awkward Ally in general. Mr. James Gavsey does make an appearance on the show in a small part, as does Robert Clark Chan. Oh, uh, yeah. He will be heard in a small part as well uh, uh, in episode two. Robert Clark Chan is in episode two. James Gavsey, I'll tell you right now, is in episode three. Uh, the aforementioned Crystal Storm uh, has a, a bigger than a small part. She kind of carries a couple of scenes and does an excellent job, I might point out with them. Uh, she really, She really brought the heat. She is in episode four. Uh, playing a Bruja primogen named Roxy, who is an absolute uh, powerhouse. Absolute powerhouse. So um, there you go, Who Would Win fans. You have yeah. your connection to the Who Would Win universe in, in this series. So It's also a who's who of judges. You know, Phil Ranta, uh, who just appeared on the Who Would Win show recently, he's in episode one uh, and also, I believe, episode four of the show. So he's in a couple different episodes and he's being as Phil Ranta as Phil Ranta can be. Um, I'll even in episode one, Phil Ranta gets into a fight scene. Uh, that, I, I heard that. It's great. It's really good. The fight scenes are really well made. Surprisingly. I wouldn't say surprisingly. I, I say surprisingly <laughs> because I, I, if you listen to audio, it's hard to, do, it's hard to do a good fight scene. It really is. It's really hard to, do, to convey a fight scene in audio drama. And, mm-hmm. It's done so well here. It's usually, you know, it's usually like uh, you just hear, I hit her in the face, yes. you know, and then that's that's all you get. Uh, with me, I went I went through the extra mile and, and got a bunch of like sound effects libraries. And so I got realistic uh, sounding, you know, uh, 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 weapons, guns, uh, punches, strikes, body hits. Uh, everybody's giving me combat noises that I could use. Like, it's really, I do try to, I, I wanted the fight scenes to feel like you were watching them with your mind. Yes. I didn't want to leave everything just to one sound effect. And then you tell me what's happening. Like the action is still being described, but I wanted a much more richness of sound that helps to tell the story. And it's, it's great. It's so good. So outside of Alexander, who was your favorite character in episode one? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I will say this. There are elements of the episode I like. I like the fact that Alexander has an owl. Mm-hmm. 
Grace the Owl. Yes. That, that, that's, his, that's his sidekick. I thought that was cool. I, I like that he talks to rats. Mm-hmm. So to, to lay this out and what Delvin's talking about, and I'll say it because even if you haven't heard the episode, this is just who the character is. It doesn't spoil anything. Alexander is a member of Clan Gangrel. Clan Gangrel is a member of the Camarilla, which are seven clans that work together to preserve what's called the Masquerade. What is that? The Masquerade is all the vampires agree, don't do crazy vampire stuff in public. We try to hide in plain sight and pretend to be humans. So keep all your vampire stuff on the DL, right? That's what these seven clans have all agreed to do. Clan Gangrel is sort of known as an outsider clan of those seven. They're not as respected. They don't get asked a lot. They're kind of loners by nature. And they kind of have a lot of affinity with animals uh, as well as uh, a couple other powers, which the show delves into a little bit. So primarily this character of Alexander is an old timey detective who had a detective agency in Detroit from the 1930s. And uh, and what he does is he he uses his powers with animals, his communication, his Dr. Doolittle skills, for lack of a better term, to help him solve crimes. Well, let, me, let me ask you this, since you brought it up, because you said it's from the 1930s. Alexander is a black character, if I'm yes, really correct, is. right? So, because when I was listening to the episode, you touch on it a little bit. He was born in the 1900s, mm-hmm. grew up, and he kind of worked his way to become a detective in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. I like that story mm-hmm. because if you know if you know history, you know it can be easy to do that. It was hard to do. No, he really, the reason he was able to rise the ranks is because he was so good at what he did. He was so good at what he did. He was able to command the respect of the people around him uh, in a way that was difficult back in the 1930s, even in Detroit, you know, even in the city of Detroit uh, uh, for a a gentleman of color like himself. I appreciate that he alluded to that very, very well. And it kind of touched on it like it wasn't always good for me, but we got there. And I, I thought it was really cool hearing that perspective, which you don't really see. In vampire stories and stuff like that, like nope, at all. Like usually, you get pasty white guy vampire who lived thousands of years. Everything was okay. We didn't live through none of the other stuff that you see, like racism and stuff like that. Yeah, of the five of the five main characters in the show, only one of them is a white guy, and that's the one I play. <laughs> so there was going to be one. Listen. That's but cool. the one, one important thing, because Detroit is the setting, it's where I'm from, and I'm really, really, really big in diversity, uh, especially when diversity makes sense. If you were to do a show set in the 90s about Detroit, because this takes place in 1996, I don't know if we said that already. Um, if you were to do a show about people living in the city of Detroit, and you have nine out of ten of them be white people, doesn't make any sense it's just it's dishonest you're you're not telling a very uh honest story at that point so one of the big things that i wanted to do in what we're doing here is bring out a lot of people of color both men and women and 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 any chance i had to cast african-american uh or asian-american or any anybody else that i could find uh uh, who, who fit the role because i wrote a lot of those roles into it i really wanted to have a heavily diverse cast because I think that was a more honest, truthful, and quality way to tell the story. And my goodness, did everyone deliver. I agree. I, I, I like it because it feels like synergy. You feel it in, in, in the episode. It's not diversity for diversity's sakes. It, it makes sense. Yep. And the story kind of backs it up. And I, I, I enjoy that so much about it. That's awesome. And that's coming from an old white dude, you know, like I'm doing, (laughs) I'm trying hard to just, you know, tell us some authentic stories, you know, based on my own experiences and based on people that I've known, you know, I like it. So where do you see this going from here? Dear Lord, I'm, you know, I'm, if, if, if everyone hates me and people throw molotovs at me as I walk down the street, cause they hate this show and it ends after five episodes. Cause I burn on the street, then, uh, <laughs> then that's fine. Then I've done it. I put my vision out there and I, I made a thing. It's so important in this world. In my mind, if you're a creator to be creating, make a thing, you know, too often I've been sitting back wanting to do a lot of VO and not really knowing how you can break in. Well, you know, what's a really good way to break in and get all the parts that you've wanted to play, write them yourself and make the show. I agree. You know? 
So uh, uh, it, it's 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 very much a passion project, a pet project for myself. In that this is a story I've been wanting to tell uh, for like literally over two decades. And uh, these are characters that I really wanted to develop and 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 make something fun and create this good fun world for them to romp around in and get violent and crazy and fun. And and I wanted to also give myself some opportunities as well as other people a chance to you know uh, uh, get some parts, get some work, get some reps in, you know, play some good characters. You know, uh, I play I play a character in episode one, and my voice is is so I'm doing a voice that's so heavily different than my own. Um, and so, and heavily modified by post uh, production effects as well. You know, uh, uh, I play the character of Lenora, who is the Nosferatu, uh, 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 primogen and it's a lady character. (laughs) Oh, that was you. That's me. Yes. I had a feeling as I was looking at your face, I said it, you didn't know who I was talking about. So yes, I actually play the character of Lenora that Alexander meets in like a, a, a storm drain. Yes. Now, if you go back and listen, Delvin, that is 100% me doing a heavy character voice with extra modulation on top of it. That's impressive. That is really impressive. I, crazy, I, didn't, right? I didn't realize that. That is really good. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I don't see when I when I appear on the show, I want you to know it's me part of the time, but not know it's me the other part of the time. I'm trying to show some range here. So people go listen to the episode. And listen for Lenora. And see if you can recognize it was right. Because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I did not yeah. catch that. If you know it's me going in, maybe you can tell yourself you're hearing it. But I'd be curious for people that don't, you know, who know who I am. That's why I wanted to kind of bring it up here. To know who I am, but didn't, uh, but, you know, didn't know I was playing that part going into it. To see who can pick out that I was actually the one playing that playing that role. That's amazing. That's fun, That's fun for me. I don't know. I thought that was great. So let's listen out for that. Listen to Detroit Masquerade audio drama. I think it's great. It's fantastic. Thank you for coming on, Ray. Let them know where to find you and the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find Reclaim Detroit. More important than finding me, find the show. Check out the show. I'd really, I want to get a lot of eyes on it. And if you see posts about it, like them, favorite them, share them, retweet them, whatever the heck you do, I want to get the word out there. So please, you know, you're helping me out personally by helping spread the length of this show and getting other people involved and talk about it with people you know. Do you know people that are into vampire stuff? Tell them to check this thing out and see if they like it. I think they will, but I'm biased. Of course, I think they will. I made it. Um, but you can find it. The show is called Reclaimed Detroit, a vampire, the masquerade audio drama. Yeah. Great title, Ray. But you can just look up Reclaimed Detroit uh, or Detroit Vampire probably works, too. And you can uh, just, just search for that on any uh, uh, the Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, Audible. We're going to be on all of them. And then uh, other sites that you might pod beans of the world. It stretches from there and goes, and then they just keep pulling and pulling and it ends up on every podcast app. So if you listen to podcasts uh, or you don't, you should definitely, you can check it out. Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts. Those are the three big ones I'm talking about because everybody has access to those one way or another and either search for it, reclaim Detroit, or you can go on Twitter to uh, vamp at vampire Detroit. That's the official Twitter account. Please give us a follow again and help us with the social media stuff. That would be great. But you can also find links to the show in the feed there in the in the Twitter account or go to VampireDetroit.com. That website was somehow available and I bought it. And so VampireDetroit.com. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. My jaw hit the ground. I'm like, yes, I would love to. Uh, VampireDetroit.com. You're going to have a little bit of information about the cast about the show, uh, some outtakes I'm going to put on there. I got, I got some neat stuff uh, happening there. Uh, it's, it's not the biggest thing, but it's an easy way to find the show if you're trying to look for it. Just VampireDetroit.com. That website's up, flourishing, and it's got all the links. You can actually listen to the show on the VampireDetroit.com website. Oh, that's great. We, we make it as easy as possible for you to check this thing out. We would like you to do it. So so go and do that thing. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at uh, Almighty Ray. And you can uh, listen to my other shows, The Who Would Win Show, My Three Dads, Knowing Is Half the Podcast. Uh, you can search any three of those or any one of those uh, on your podcast. You're, you'll find it. You, you'll find it. It's there. It's easy. My name's on most of them. Yes, and I have all of them listed in the show notes. Thank you. So you can check it out there. Thank you for coming on, Ray. This has been a blast. Man, I'm just excited to come in here. And, you know, I've been talking about this thing without talking about it for like, I, I'll tell you right now, I started writing it. I started actually sitting down and putting this thing together around Thanksgiving of 2021. 
Wow. And here we are in August of 2022, and the first episode is finally coming out. So that's like the the length of this process. Uh, that's how much time this thing can possibly take if you've never done anything like this before. And I have not. This is my first audio drama I've written. This is my first long form anything that I've written. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully it hits with people. I believe there's enough truth in there and enough silly fun and enough just interesting characters to watch go about their day-to-day operations and going after the things in life they're trying to get. Uh, that everybody in there has a hook and they can get into it. But listener discretion advised, language and violence. Yes, definitely listener discretion advised. But if you like me, just go ahead and listen to it. It's, it's definitely listen to it. Get as many listens as you can to it. It's great. I love it. Great job, Ray. That's what I have to say you. about it. Thank you. No, I'm again, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it came out. I'm kind of on this weird podcast tour right now to talk about it as much as I possibly can. And I don't think I'm going to talk about it in depth as much anywhere else than I have here. So anywhere else, check out the Delvin Cox experience, <laughs> even though you just listened to it. And uh, that's where you're going to find uh, the most meat about this show that you're going to hear. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Delvin Cox experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, there is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boondocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless.